Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. Uh, if you are getting a feeling of existential dread, uh, that's because we're talking basketball today. The Penn State basketball season uh, begins a little bit later this week when your reigning defending NIT champion Penn State Nittany Lions uh, host North Florida at the Bryce Jordan Center. Uh, we're going to give you a little uh, preview of this season to uh, whatever extent we can, uh, you know, it's the basketball podcast, so it's going to take an hour and a half. Uh, we're also going to do a little recap of Penn State's season opener. Well, not season opener, season opening exhibition against West Virginia, which the Nittany Lions went down to Morgantown and won 84 to 82. Uh, got the full basketball gang here today. Chad Markulix. Chad, what's going on? Existential dread is the name of my Miles Dread fan club. I'm just starting. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, we'll make sure to put a link in the, uh, in the description for this episode on how y'all can join it. Uh, Eric Gibson, what's going on with you? Uh, nothing, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. Happy to be talking Penn State basketball. And that's also because Dan Smith is here. Dan, what's going on, buddy? I'm looking forward to talking about which players spent the offseason working on their shooting and which Big Ten coaches uh, spent the offseason focusing on how to uh, increase the conference's respect. Nice. So uh, I think a good way to increase the conference's respect is to uh, have the defending NIT champions walk into Morgantown uh, and then walk out with a two-point win in an exhibition to raise money for hurricane relief. Uh, Chad, we'll start with you. Uh, Just what stuck out about Penn State's – I mean, obviously – it's not the same as going there, winning a regular season game, all that. Uh, but what stuck out about Penn State going into Morgantown and get, picking up this win? Uh, they look like a team that knows how to win. Uh, they made some winning plays down the stretch. Uh, Lamar Stevens looks like he's ready to be the guy with Tony Carr off the NBA slash Italy. Uh, the freshmen look like they're gamers. Uh, Miles Dredd, Rasir Bolton look uh, pretty up for the challenge of stepping into the roles of Tony Carr, Shep Garner. Um, yeah, just uh, it's a it's a fun way to start the season, even though it didn't count, which would have been nice, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. And Eric, uh, kind of the same to you. Like, you know, it obviously doesn't count towards the win-loss record, but being able to pick up this kind of confidence boost before the year, I imagine you would agree it's a good thing for a young team. Or a team oh, it's, on new players. Apologies. It's, a, it's definitely a great thing, especially the way the game kind of unfolded. Penn State started out quick, got up 10 nothing, um, and then they ended up leading that game for probably like 38, 39 minutes of it. Um, but West Virginia kept clawing back. Um, they erased that first half deficit, but then Penn State extended it back out to, I think it was a 12-point halftime lead. Um, and then in the second half, West Virginia just kept making runs. And what was really impressive um, was definitely the freshman guard stepping up and answering pretty much um, any one of those runs that the uh, the Mountaineers were able to put together. Um, I know there was one time they finally tied the game at 66, then Miles Dredd came down and hit a three. Um, and then there was that time with like two minutes left, West Virginia takes the lead, their first lead since like early in the first half, and it's like, all right, well, this team's going to lose. But like we were saying, they – they look like a winning team. They knew how to win. It was a lot um, kind of like the NIT. Um, but what was really impressive is just the fact that the freshman guards who we saw for the first time um, were instrumental in that, in finishing that game. Um, Rasir Bolton had six, or I think it was, yeah, he had six points um, in about 15 seconds, courtesy of a Jamari Wheeler steal. Um, and that responded to West Virginia taking the lead. And then, Penn State went back up, uh, I think it was five, and they were able to hold on with Josh, Josh Reeves' heroics there on that last uh, possession. Yeah, I mean, the, that's really what stuck out to me. Like, West Virginia is a team that, like, when it that kind of, like, tidal wave starts with them with how they press and how they apply pressure and all that, it is easy to kind of get caught up in that, especially when you have you're, – you're basically breaking in two new guards in Miles Dredd uh, and Rasir Bolton, even like you know, Jamari Wheeler had more on this plate than he had in uh, than he had on this plate last year, and they all really seem to answer the challenge. I mean, right from the beginning, Penn State opens up ten nothing, and West Virginia ends up coming back. It was just really nice to see how every time West Virginia threw a punch, Penn State was able to throw a counter punch and just respond every time. It was like West Virginia was going to uh, 
you know, take the lead and start to kind of impose itself on Penn State. Chad, I want to go back to you for a sec. I mean, you were uh, really raving, I mean, as we all have been, about these two guards. What was it about Miles Dredd and Rasir Bolton that was, individually, that was so impressive to you? On Dredd, we thought, coming in, he would be, you know, that kind of marksman um, two-guard, and so far, yeah, he is that guy. Um, his his jumper is picture-perfect. Um, he sets his feet every time. He's got great form. Um, good good shot selection, too, I thought. Not taking any, um, you know, outlandish threes. Um, and he just looks like, you know, he, he's a player who's been playing for, you know, high-level college or high-level high school teams, uh, high-level AAU teams. Um, you know, that's the kind of player Pat Chambers has been targeting in the past couple of years in recruiting. And, you know, it's, it's paying off because this guy already knows how to win. He knows how to make winning plays. Um, he knows what's required of somebody in his role. So um, just a very, you know, efficient, polished uh, debut from Dredd. And then Brasier Bolton, I mean, uh, I have not seen a freshman at Penn State have that quick a first step, probably since Taylor Battle, honestly. Um, you know, Bolton's a 6'2 guard. Um, not the most athletically built guy, but definitely has some surprising ups. Um, had a couple plays, I think, against especially one against uh, West Virginia center Sagaba Konate, um, where he like, kind of baited him into fouling him. Uh, actually, acted like he was going to go up with the left hand, reversed in midair, went to the right, got fouled. Um, just a savvy play from him, and uh, you know, I think he's going to be if he's not starting right away. Uh, I think he'll be in competition with Jamari Wheeler down the road um, to be the lead guard. And either way, he'll be playing major minutes every night. So um, just a very impressive debut from both of them. Uh, they're both going to contribute, and I'm really excited to see what they or how they develop over the course of the year. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia, I, Javon Carter's gone, Daxter Miles is gone, but they're also breaking in some new guards. But still, the fact that he was... This was his first game against this level of competition, even if, again, it was an exhibition. And to have zero turnovers in 31 minutes is just a really, really impressive outing by him. Uh, Eric, kind of staying on the impressive outing thing, I mean, I think coming into this year, this is going to be Lamar Stevens' team. I mean, Josh Reeves is the senior, but Lamar Stevens is the guy who I think they go to for that big bucket. 20 points, 11 rebounds. What impressed you about his effort? Uh I mean, he was good. I mean, he looked like he was comfortable being the guy. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about um, kind of that when we're, we kind of go into like the season preview. Um, real quick, I just I can't believe Chad didn't mention that Bolton didn't turn the ball over in 31 minutes. Like that was his yeah, that was his thing. Like, come on, I was man. setting up for you guys. It was a nice transition for Bill there. Uh, okay, well, uh, we, <laughs> but, I appreciate it very much, Chad. Thank you. And I'd also like just to make a note, um, you know, I know we got to like qualify everything that this was an exhibition. It doesn't count. Um, but at the same time, anyone who watched the game, it was a high level game. Um, mm -hmm. It's not very often that you get two high major teams scrimmaging against each other like before the season like this. Usually they're scheduled like, you know, Penn State lost to Shippensburg that one year or whatever it was. It's always some no name team. Um, so for, for these two teams to kind of get together in a public scrimmage with a crowd, um, you know, you could see the chippiness pretty early on. Sagaba Kanate was was chirping at Stevens. Um, there's some in-state rivalry there because Kanate comes from Kennedy Catholic in the western side of PA. But, you know, in PA, it's all about Philly hoops. So there was definitely like an intense competition there. So and West Virginia is preseason number 13 in the AP poll. And they beat Purdue in their secret scrimmage um, like a week before this game. So. Um, definitely a lot of positives for Penn State, and I don't think oh, it was just an exhibition. I think it's a very legit experience for them. Um, but now they got to build off of it because, it, like you said, it doesn't it doesn't count uh, on the official books. Yeah, uh, one quick guy I want, whose effort I want to shout out: uh, John Hara, uh, eight points, uh, six rebounds, five of those offensive in eighteen minutes. I mean, he 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 has this like inherent understanding of exactly where he needs to be at all times. So like, despite the fact that he's going up against in Sagabakanate, one of the best shot blockers in college basketball. I mean, there was a few a time or two he got his lunch eaten, but for the most part, like he really fought down there. And that's something. Uh, once we get into the season preview here for a second, we get into the front court. They're going to need out of him uh, with Mike Watkins not playing, uh, and then off the bench, 
12 minutes from Trent Buttrick, 10 minutes from Myreen Jones, and five minutes for uh, David Semgoulis, who this is the breakout year. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Dan, you, uh, you didn't get a chance to check out much of the exhibition. You were too busy, uh, you know, getting ready for Penn State football to get beaten down a little bit later in the day. Uh, what were your thoughts? Well, I know that it was a uh, it was a charity exhibition, and it was for uh, hurricane relief after Hurricane Florence. So I think it, when you're going through some of the stats, you sh- it should also be noted that uh, Hurricane Florence was one of the wettest hurricanes we've had from the standpoint of water. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think it's time to just get right into the season preview. Uh, this year's Penn State team, uh, we're going to break this down into the backcourt, the front court, and then, of course, we're going to answer that big uh, NCAA tournament question that I'm sure y'all are going to be worrying about. Uh, but starting with the backcourt, uh, Chad, this Penn State team losing uh, Shep Gardner and all that he was able to bring on the perimeter and with his little bit of playmaking, Tony Carr with everything that he could do, they're looking to replace them really with Jamari Wheeler and at least two, potentially three, depending on what they want out of Myrie and Jones freshman. What is kind of the expectation you think for that group as uh, we get into this season and we see what, you know, what you expect out of those three or potentially four dudes? Yeah, my expectations are a lot higher now than they were before Saturday, uh, which is a very good thing. Um, I'm, you know, this is still going to be a front court. Li- uh, led team with Stevens, Watkins, Reeves being the wingman, you know, the wing player. Um, you know, I, I think a successful season for Dredd and Bolton is, I I guess, just to, you know, develop. And, um, you know, we, we see the potential they both have. Um, just keep the team afloat, I guess. Don't turn the ball over that much. Um, and make some plays when they can. Um, I You know, and Jamari Wheeler, too, obviously has... Um, he has some, a lot of things he's working on this off season, jump shot included ball handling a little bit. Um, and I thought he was, he was pretty good in that game against West Virginia, West Virginia too. He was pretty aggressive, um, had his moments where he, you know, got caught in the dribble. Um, but I think, you know, he, he's shown some proof confidence and it, the learning curve for all these guys is just going to be, um, how well they can play with the front court players that they have at their disposal. Um, and I think, you know, they should be able to ease into a role, you know, more easily than easily than you would have, you know, when Carr came in, it was his, um, you know, he kind of had it all on his shoulders. Uh, these guys won't have that. They won't have that issue. They won't have that pressure on them. So um, I'm thinking, you know, there should be a pretty smooth transition into a, a larger role for both these guys. Yeah. Eric uh, kind of want to build on that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But, I mean, if we're going to judge them on whether it's a six, successful season, I think you got to tie that to how the team performs. Um, you know, like you said, this is a, a pretty big shakeup with, with Shep and Carr being gone. Um, it's a brand new formula. Um, and, and it's going to definitely rely on the front court. But at the same time, these guys got to be able to space the floor. Um, and it, it makes, you know, be legitimate threats for guys like Stevens and, and Watkins to operate. Um inside so uh there's going to be a lot on their shoulders but like i said we i mean we kind of had a lot of high hopes from following them um as high school players and on the aau circuit so they seem up for the challenge um we'll see how they mix i mean that's that's something that's that was also really impressive from the uh scrimmage against west virginia is just the team chemistry was kind of already there um guys were finding the open shooters um, they were moving the ball well. They had 16 assists on uh, 28 made ba- uh, baskets. That's over 50%, so that's good. Um, against a, a, a tough uh, defense with uh, Press Virginia and, and, and how aggressive they are. So, um, you know, we'll see. There's definitely going to be ups and downs. They're going to have some bad games. There's, you know, turnovers are going to are gonna happen. Um, but we'll see. I, I do think all three, or at least with Wheeler and Bolton at the point, um, very quick guards that can penetrate and, and kick. Um, so that there's a lot to work with there. Uh, and, and we'll just see. There's just going to, you know, as, as they get more experience, they should uh, continue to grow. And hopefully they are able to uh, contribute to a winning basketball team. Yeah. And Dan, uh, to stay on Jamari Wheeler for a second, I, we, 
I, I think we can all pick out the places where he needed to develop from last year to this year, but what's kind of the big thing that he needs to work on if he's going to, or he's needed to improve if he's going to succeed as Penn State's starting point guard or first point guard off the bench or whatever it is? It seems obvious, but decision-making is really the name of the game with him. Um, the you know, just, just was a little bit out of control on both ends of the floor last year. We talked about that you know, a number of different times. The you know, ball handling is obviously going to be part of it, and you know, being a, a, a quick guard that can penetrate and, and dish is, is uh, something that you know is going to be you know, really useful for them. But it has to be you know in a in a controlled method. Um, you know, we're not expecting perfection, obviously, early on with it with a young backcourt with a with a team that plays pretty fast. You know, there's going to be turnovers. Um, you know, both from him and from uh, and from Bolton, his uh, you know, zero turnover performance notwithstanding. Um, but also on the defensive end, we talked about it last year. You know, he, he was great at uh, using his you know elite quickness to be able to you know force some turnovers, get some steals, pick some pockets. But he also played himself out of position. You know, uh, on a on a somewhat regular basis, it happens certainly too often. So. Um, just taking that energy and taking that speed and and putting it in a little bit of more of a, a controlled uh, effort to you know to impact the game without uh, you know without being reckless, I think is going to be really the the big thing for Jamari. And, and then uh, Eric, I'll go with you for this one. I when we look at uh, Penn State's backcourt, like those guys are all great, but Josh Reeves is right there. He's a guy who. This is his fourth year in the program. He's always been able to do a little bit of any, everything. Uh, I know some. he's getting some NBA draft looks at this point. What is ultimately his best role? Is it as a scorer, a facilitator, something else? You know, I mean, that's, that's a hard question to uh, answer just because Josh has never been a guy who's kind of created his own offense. Um, I mean, I guess he does with, like, hustle plays and that kind of thing. But um, he... Uh, uh, sorry, Sean Lee just tore his hamstring as usual. Sorry, yeah. I got distracted. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens every time he plays a football game. But um, so anyway, what are we talking about? Josh Reeves. <laughs> Josh Reeves. Yeah. So he, uh, I just, he's just so hard to like define into a role. Like he's just the guy that's going to make um, just the hustle plays, the IQ plays, like. Him, like, I mean, the, the scrimmage just kind of sums it up. He made that, uh, he cut for an offensive rebound, beat his, you know, the guy who was supposed to block him out just fell asleep, and there he is at the right time to uh, make the play. So we definitely need to include him um, in the point guard discussion just because I feel like, um, you know, suppose Bolton's struggling and Jamari's in foul trouble or something, I do think that they would, um, you know, rely on Josh Reeves to kind of bring the ball up and initiate the offense in those situations. Um, but as far as kind of like... Is he a scorer? I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to consider him a scorer um, just because he's just not a guy who um, is going to score off the off the bounce unless he gets to the rim. So um, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about that that question. Yeah, Dan, yeah. Do you want, or Dan or Chad, either. Do you want to chime in here? Sure. I was just going to say he's, you know, he's the Swiss Army knife. He's the break glass in case of emergency point guard. Um, he would probably play a little four this year with small ball lines with Watkins out. Um, you know, he's been making – senior plays his whole career basically so i'm excited to see what he's going to do as a senior for real this time um and yeah he's not going to be like eric said not going to be you know the go-to guy on offense but that's not his game and he shouldn't have to do that with with stevens and bolton and dread out there now so it's he's in a good spot yeah dan yeah i think as long as you're not relying on him to do something that that's you know that's outside of his abilities you know you don't want him being you know, the point guard or something like that you know, you know now what Josh Reeves brings to the table. You know that he can, uh, you know, he can play above the rim. You know that he can, uh, you know, knock down a, you know, an occasional three. Um, I think, uh, I think he can play a little bit of defense. That, that probably would be a good role for him as well. And uh, I heard he did, he has a really nice uh, Othello. So you know, there's there's a lot that you can do. Yeah, he. Uh, I want to see him kind of become not he's never going to be the lethal shooter from downtown but connecting on 37.7 percent of his threes last year i think is a great like place for him to go from and then there's just the fact that like if he wants to make it 
at the next level, especially if he wants to make it in the NBA at the next level. I mean, he has the athleticism. He has the defensive instincts. He has that stuff. But if he can become a pretty solid three-point shooter, he's a guy who's going to be playing for a long time. So I'd like to see him kind of show what he can do there a little bit. And I, I love the fact that he's going to be able to initiate the offense to an extent. I mean, we saw it during the scrimmage, like between... Josh between uh, the two freshmen, between Wheeler and between Lamar, they have five guys who I think they're comfortable to one extent or another bringing the ball up, and that makes for some really fun possibilities, Uh, and I think that moves us into talking about Penn State's front court a little bit. Uh, Dan, this is, like we mentioned, for how much fun uh, Josh Reeves is and how he can kind of fill in whatever gaps pop up on a given night. Lamar Stevens is the number one option. I mean, he, I think going into this year, he's the guy who, uh, above everyone else, is going to be the engine that makes this team run. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? Dan? Dan? <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> no, I, I think you're. Uh, I, I'm still getting used to uh, keep that in. How to, how to do the technology there? <laughs> oh yeah, as always, this is good tape, and I'm not editing this. No, that's that's where we edited in uh, the DJ Rector drops a click click boom right there. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, I think you you kind of nailed it. Is that you know there's going to be you know you know the idea. I think it always comes back to is like who's the guy who's going to take the last shot, and for this team, it's going to be Lamar. Um, you know, and it's, uh, I think Stevens is a guy who, you know, we, we, you know, just like we know with Reeves and we know with Watkins, certainly there's room for improvement and things that he can develop, but we, we kind of know what his game is. Um, you know, we know the things that he, that he excels at and everything and everything. And I think, uh, I think he's somebody who, who can, who can play that role. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel bad going into the season saying like, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to have to take some shots at the end of games. You know, I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, hundred percent on, on every, uh, you know, close game shot, you know, pull up jumper that he has, but I certainly have confidence that he's going to, you know, be able to create something that's going to give us an, you know, an honest chance to, to win some games. So definitely, I think, uh, I think it's something that they can, they can feel good about going into the season. Yeah, Eric, Chad. Yeah, no, I mean, Steve is definitely the guy, I mean, from, from who they have returning, he was the, um, these guys, he's got the most offensive skills to create off the bounce um, and, you know, this is an interesting season for him because it's kind of the first time he's playing without Carr, um, at least for three or four years now. I mean, they've played together pretty much their whole scholastic career together. Um, so now, now Stevens is kind of on his own. He's got to be the guy. And um, he did a pretty good job of that against West Virginia. I, I know Rothstein said he, he looked like the best player on the court. I, I would agree with that. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how he holds up with um, how much he's carrying right now with, with Watkins suspended. Um, he ended up playing, I think, pretty much that whole scrimmage. I think I think he finished with 38 minutes, um, and his efficiency just kind of kept going down. He had a quick start. Um, he was very effective in the first half, and then uh, he just started missing shots down the stretch. And he and he did miss, you know, he did take the last shot to win the game, um, and it, it was a pretty good shot, um, but he missed it. And, and if I had to like look at his stats, I'm sure he probably was like one of five or two of six down the stretch um, after starting out so well. So, so there's some concerns there with, without the, the depth up front with uh, Watkins being out and uh, Satchel Pierce being out for the first semester, um, you know, just kind of how much they're going to rely on him uh, to, to eat those front court minutes. And if he's going to be playing 38 minutes, he's going to have to maintain some efficiency throughout the, uh, the entire game. So we'll, we'll see how he handles that. Uh, that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. He was three to 10 down the stretch there in the second half, at least. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm a little worried about his efficiency overall being the guy now without, uh, Tony there. And I mean, he wasn't the most efficient player last two years either. Um, sure. Tony made that leap last year. Lamar didn't quite make it, um, as far as, you know, putting up efficient numbers. Um, but still even having a guy like that, there's value in having such a matchup nightmare. Um, on your floor, even if he's not the most efficient player, because he has certain such a gravity around him. You know, teams are going to focus on him when the ball's in his hands. They're going to be, you know, help defenders looking to see where he is. So, um, almost 
uh, curious to see how, how well he's developed as a passer too, because that's going to be important for him to, to pass out of double teams and find, you know, guys cutting off the ball when people are ball watching him to, to look to help out. So um, there's definitely value in him just being on the floor if he's not having, you know, a great night or, or being the most efficient uh, player. So, yeah. Yeah, and he's someone who even on those nights where, you know, his shot isn't falling, he has the ability to get down there. He's not going to grab every rebound. He's going to fight for rebounds, and he's going to do that kind of stuff, which, again, you he's a player who I think when even though he's not always going to have nights where he drops 20 points or like he did against West Virginia, three for four from three, he can find other ways to contribute, and I think that's going to be a big thing for him on those handful of nights where I we've mentioned on this pod before, and there are nights when you could just tell he doesn't have it, and hopefully those are few and far between this year, but... You know, never know, those things pop up. Uh, another potential issue uh, that has popped up is that the center depth chart uh, for the uh, to-be-determined future uh, with Mike Watkins indefinitely on the sidelines and Satchel Pierce out through the first uh, semester, awfully thin. I mean, John Hara is... He, he kind of has to be that guy at center with Lamar playing uh, some small ball five. Uh, I, I want to talk about Hera a little bit. Eric, I, can he hold things down without Mike? Like, what do they need out of him until Mike Watkins gets back? Uh, he just needs to build off of what he did in the NIT last year. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere and uh, was instrumental in that, that five or six game run. Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, if you can even consider him in the in the Big Ten tournament, he chipped in there as well. Um, you know, Hera, Hera he, the issue with Hera is he's got to stay on the floor um, as much as he can. He got into foul trouble against West Virginia. Um, you know, the, the Mountaineers have one of the best front courts in the uh, in the country. So, um, you know, maybe there's not as much shame in, in struggling against them. But uh, since he's the only body right now, um, him and Buttrick and then Stevens, um, we just need to st- – have him stay on the court but when he's out there he hustles he's uh, he looks a lot um i think he looks a lot better um after a, a full year dedicated to uh, basketball weight training um he's slimmed down he's moving a lot better um he can get off the floor a little bit more um so i'm, I'm definitely excited to see him out there and what's really impressive for me um, watching him is he's a really good offensive rebounder. I don't think that's a, a fluke anymore. I mean, he, he was all over the offensive glass against West Virginia um, as well. So um, I'm looking forward to him being able to, uh, you know, pick and rolls, catch. Supposedly he's going to be able to step out and shoot. Um, I don't know if he's going to have those opportunities since he's got to hold down um, the five position. But, you know, once Watkins come back, comes back, which, um, you know, nobody really knows when that's going to be. Um, but if he does come back, that would at least I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some Watkins Hera lineups um, give John a chance to to step out a little bit more. But um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see Hera in his sophomore season. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said about the fact that like he knows what he is as a basketball player. Like he's not someone who is going to ever try and like push that. He's going to be down low. He's going to fight. He's going to try and get rebounds. He's not going to take shots that are a little bit out of his uh out of his skill set. I think he's happy to just kind of stand down there and if there's just something that he has a chance to grab and go right back up, he'll happily do that. I I mean, Dan will go to you on this one, like just kind of the same question. Like Hera as Mike Watkins is out of the lineup. Yeah, I mean I think it's I I think you know, we had a good summary there of of you know what he brings to the table, and you know that's more than enough. Uh, you know for what ha- you know how this team's constructed, with you know how long he's going to be asked to do it. Um, you know the main thing is um, you know I, I think really it's going to just be more about him. You know doing the doing the little things like staying out of uh, you know foul trouble too. All, you know not not getting into uh, you know two foul situations early, so that the team has to go with a small ball lineup. For, you know for too long. Uh, you know in the absence of somebody else that can really play the five, the, you know, the way that uh, Hera and Watkins play it, um, you know, um, you know, but beyond that, I think, uh, I think, you know, that, that was a good outline there, from Eric, about the things that you know, he brings to the table. And it's, uh, 
you know, it's a guy that definitely, uh, you know, with, with what he showed in the Big Ten tournament, uh, that is, you know, Big Ten caliber and, and can hold things down and allow, you know, the other guys who are, you know, admittedly more of the playmakers in this team to be able to, uh, to do what they need to do to, to you know, make, this, uh, make this team work. Yeah, and Chad, I mean, once Watkins and to an extent Pierce gets back, I mean, there's suddenly going to be uh, a little bit of depth in the front court. But until that happens, like, is the plan to just sit there and hope and pray that it's all able to work itself out? On some level, yeah. Um, you know, I'm assuming Mike will be back at some point, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, for everybody's sake. Um, but, you know, having Hera there is such a nice um, luxury in a sense. We haven't had, you know, a, a second capable big man on the roster since, uh, I don't know, uh, quite a while. So, um, and Lamar can play the five a little bit too if needed. He hasn't always been a strong suit, but, you know, he's there. He's a body um, defensively there at the five. So. Um, there's options. And then when Mike does come back, when Satchel does come back, there's, there's more depth. It feels like on this team, especially knowing that we have, you know, somewhat at least capable commodities, maybe not proven commodities yet. And dread and Bolton, um, as freshmen right away, Jones looks like he's capable of playing a couple minutes a night. If need be, you know, maybe add a little scoring punch. Um, there's a lot more, I mean, the last couple teams just went, you know, six or seven deep, right. And this team feels like it could go eight or nine, um, with a full roster, full healthy roster. So um, it's a little bit of praying until everybody gets back. But um, once they do, I think that this team is really built like a, a team with real depth for the first time, maybe in Chambers' tenure. Yeah, one of y'all remind did Trent Buttrick play a lot as a like de facto five uh, during the West Virginia scrimmage, or was it just kind of him and Lamar out there doing it? He that? played a little five, okay. yeah. Yeah, no, he definitely played the five. I was about to say we needed to talk about him. Yeah, he's definitely go ahead. Get, he, right. He's going to get some run here, um, you know, just because, like I said, Harris is going to get into foul trouble at least once. I mean, you know, some of these things are kind of inevitable. Um, so you want to hope and pray. I mean, Buttrick's going to be out there. Um, I mean, he played – I don't know how many minutes he played in the West Virginia game, but I definitely feel like he played a healthy, like, at least 10-plus minutes. Uh, he played um, 12. 12, Okay. Yeah, he uh, and he looked okay. He definitely looked more athletic. Um, another guy who who made some strides in the weight room, um, had some athletic rebounds, uh, but there was also some some uh, some missed not so dunk. great. Yeah, that missed dunk was Jordan Dickerson esque. That was pretty brutal. Um, and he had, a, I think he had at least one air ball, and he, he shot one for six. So, uh, but he did make a three. So, I, I mean, I think there's there's some there's some talent there to work with. Um, but, you know, he's going to be playing out of position if he's playing the five. So, um, you know, we'll see what he can do. But he does have the wingspan. He does have the athleticism to at least uh, compete with bigs on the on the glass, which is really what they're going to need from him because um, that's what you always want from your, your five men. So if he can rebound, um, he, he can definitely uh, uh, contribute. Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, it's that time. It's the time where we talk about – the team as a whole this year uh, and talk about expectations and I'll have Eric, you go first on this one because you're kind of the person who I think our listeners like hearing this take from. Does Pat Chambers need to make the NCAA tournament to be here next season? You know, I mean, I don't, that's a tough question just because, um, I don't know. I don't know what Sandy Barber's thinking. Um, I don't know what her expectations are uh, because ultimately it's going to be her decision. Because, uh, you know, Chambers is coming off the 26 win season, um, you know, second most wins in, in school history. They won the NIT. Um, and then he got that contract extension. So um, theoretically, he's safe after all that. But at the same time, um, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the worst kept secret is that they need to. Um, have an encore like Penn State basketball has always been a flash in the pan program yeah you put one good team together you make a run and then you go back to the the bottom of the Big Ten Um, you know at least their position now with the collection of talent that they have to uh, build off that NIT Um, you know last time the position the program was in this position was about a decade ago with the Chalice 
Um, and they followed it up with a 3-15 Big Ten season that was uh, pretty agonizing because they, they lost a bunch of close games that they shouldn't have and that, and that program should have um, – that, that year should have just never happened. But that year buried the cellist and it, it, it buried all the momentum that they built. Um, you know, yes, they, they did return their seniors and then went to the tournament the next year, but um, that was kind of the last hurrah. There wasn't a whole, there was no foundation coming up behind that. So, um, you know, we're, we're here, you know, we've been, we've, this is Chambers, I think eighth season. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy that he hasn't made the tournament yet, but um you kind of has to make it like for this, you know, for the climb, for how much they want to advertise the climb. You can't, you can't go backwards from an NIT championship. You got to go forwards, which is the NCAA tournament. Um, so whether they make the tournament or whether they, whether they miss the tournament, will he get fired? I don't know. That's a Sandy Barber question. Um, but I think it'll be very hard for this um, regime to ever progress if they're not able to build off the NIT last year just from the timeline of their their tenure year they've been here for so long um there's not really any excuses you know the whole Mike Watkins situation we didn't really dive into that with his legal situation um and then him coming out with his um, bipolar disorder um you know there's a lot of distractions there um off the court but you know that can't be excuse like Satchel Pierce not you know keeping his grades up and being academically ineligible for the first semester. I mean, that's kind of, um, I don't want to say inexcusable, but I mean, you know, things happen, but at the same time, like we were just talking about how hamstrung they already are because they're, they're black and depth in the front court. So, you know, the off court issues can't be a, uh, an excuse anymore. Uh, this team has been progressing. They, and, and this is kind of their opportunity here. They scheduled for the NCAA tournament. They put together a much better schedule than they did, um a year ago so i think that's what the the, t- the program and, and chambers and everybody inside the programs kind of that's their expectations for themselves is to make the tournament um so so we'll see we'll see what happens but whether they actually do or not um you know who knows we can't pr- uh, forecast the future but if they don't then we got to ask andy barber what's the deal yeah uh we'll come back and eric we'll have you talk uh non-conference schedule uh, in a sec, but Chad, I kind of want to go to you with the same question about whether Pat needs to make the NIT. Uh, not the NIT, whether he has to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I don't know. Um, this is always tough because there's so many factors that go into it and so many different... So, so much can go wrong. So much can go right. Um, recruiting, I thought for a while, before Lundy committed... Um, I was a little concerned with the way the recruiting was going, um, taking a couple guys, um, who didn't really have any other high major offers. And that seemed like, okay, maybe they're, I don't know what the deal is here at least, but, um, they got Lundy on board. That's a top 150 commit. And you, you know, especially Penn state, you're going to need, um, the talent, the talent's got to be constant. That's the only reason why, um, a lot of people are still on board with chambers because be, because he got such talented players, you know, Carr, Stevens, Watkins, Reeves, uh, now Bolton and Dread, Lundy can group into that. Um, so recruiting is is still functional at least. It's there. Uh, the on the base the base level of recruiting is there. How yeah. important is this season? I I don't know. Um, it, you would think an extension for as long as he got would make him safe for this year. But um, if they get to the NIT again and the freshmen look really good, I'd be pretty hesitant to cut the cord there because, you know, if, if there's a, you know, if they can build on it for next year, you know, I know we're just start barely just started this year, but um, if there's a foundation for next year, then and in the future, um, I, I'd be hesitant to let them go again because you're starting over from scratch in all likelihood. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what this conversation's like in March. Um, but it seems right now like it, it could be, you know, a successful season. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Dan, if you want to weigh in. Yeah, I really don't have too much else to add, but I'd say, you know, I, I don't think they need to make the tournament. I think they just need to. Uh, I think, I think, you know, the way that uh, Eric highlighted it best is sort of, you know, you, you can't have that, you know, massive drop off that they've had when they've, you know, sort of hit their peaks in the past. I think they need to definitely be, 
uh, competitive. I think uh, I think a similar level to last year is probably you know what the what the goal should be. Uh, certainly, if they can do better than that, that'd be great. But uh, you know, definitely, and and I think Chad touching it, you know, with with the freshmen, uh, you know, probably being uh, you know a significant part of you know ultimately how successful the team as a whole is. Uh, you know, if they you know are in a similar area to where they are last year with you know with the freshmen contributing, that it's, it would be really tough to move on from him with you know what they'd probably be uh, able to bring back uh, with some of these guys for the following year. Yeah, I I, I think a point that. Eric made and Chad made that was really good was you're not giving a guy an extension through, you know, 2021, 2022 and saying in, in all likelihood saying, okay, now go out and you have to make the NCAA tournament to save your job. I mean, it's, I mean, with Penn state basketball context is always so important. Um, I don't know what that would have to be for this year, but, yeah, the point of just don't get to the point where you're winning, you know, 12, 15 games, and Pat's probably going to be safe. Uh, having said that, I think I speak for everyone to say, I would like it very much if this team made the NCAA tournament. Uh, one thing that will help them, Eric, as you alluded to, is the fact that as opposed to last year when the non-conference schedule uh, was really, really bad, this year's is actually kind of respectable yeah um you know and, and part of that was because the big 10 is going to 20 games um so with the two extra conference games you're obviously going to boost your strength of schedule there um because the big 10 is a top five conference but um they did went out um and and definitely scheduled uh with a uh a much better intent on making the tournament and having a rpi um favorable schedule now of course i think the rpi is done this year so it's kind of you know it, no one knows how it's going to shake out in march with the uh the net tool or whatever the ncaa is calling their their new metric but um but yeah but so they're playing um you know they got a gavit games uh, that was kind of uh, expected that they would be included in the gavit games this year because i think they sat out the last two years uh, but unfortunately they got stuck with the paul which is probably the, the worst program in the big east so um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a road game, so you know they got that. They got lucky with uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They got Virginia Tech, who's a top 25 team, although they just lost their best player, Chris Clark, who's also indefinitely suspended. So who knows what's going to happen with them. Um, and then they also got a game in Atlantic City against uh, North Carolina State, um, is, a, is a, supposed to contend in the ACC. Um, and then they have, a, I think they signed a home-and-home with Alabama, which was kind of out of the blue. Uh, but they'll have a, a road game around Christmas uh, in Bama. So uh, those are some nice games. They also have the uh, Cancun Challenge, um, which doesn't have any big headliners, uh, but it does have a bunch of mid-majors who are actually pretty good, like Jacksonville State um, and Wright State usually ends up winning the MAC every year. So those are kind of good for the uh, computer profile. Um, and then if uh, SMU and Penn State wins, they'll, they'll match up in the, uh, the finals down in Cancun. Um, and SMU would be another like top 50 opponent. So, so it's, it's definitely, definitely good. Definitely chances for quality wins. Um, but is there any like elite, elite teams on it? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think there's anybody in the top 25 other than potentially Virginia tech. If they stay there without Clark, um, but it'll be good enough for them to get the tournament. So if you're like looking at their schedule with the 20 conference games, assuming the big 10 bounces back from their horrendous year last year, um, I think this team will be looking good, like with just 18, 19 wins. I think all um, the strength of the conference and the strength of their schedule will there'll be enough quality wins in those 18 or 19 games um, for them to uh, have a good case. Yeah, and just looking. At, I was going to say looking at preseason Ken Palm, Virginia Tech 31, NC State 36, Alabama 50. Obviously, you know preseason stuff, anything can happen. But some nice games are on the schedule there. Chad, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I just wonder if there's a DePaul podcast somewhere is limiting the fact that they got Penn State in the Gavit games. No. no I, I'll, we could probably talk to our friends at Mid-Major Madness about that, but I don't. They actually might. They actually might do that now that I think about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like among college basketball podcasts, if, if we're not the most niche, I, <laughs> I, 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 I like even the Mid-Major one, they encompass, you know, 
like literally over a hundred teams that are that are uh, you know that they can talk about. So there's sort of a you know a caveat there. Whereas yeah. you know we're we're probably talking about the uh, in, for, in terms of uh, podcast that covers a single team, probably the single most irrelevant team in uh, <laughs> college basketball. So hell yeah, it, it'd be it'd be hard to beat us. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that uh, that's fair. Uh, I do. Do you guys want to just move on to like any jet? Additional general thoughts you might have about this team, about this season, anything like that. I'll just kind of open the floor up to y'all. Well, we talked well, about the big, the Big Ten, uh, you know, touch, we just touched on it a little bit, and I did think that there was some, you know, some positive, um, you know, off-season news. For one, uh, Matt Harms' hair has fallen out of the <laughs> top 100 causes of global warming, so that was a really good development. I thought that, they, you know, in terms of you know trying to increase respect for the conference. Um, you know, and then, you know, you talk about on the flip side, you know, there's some obviously some interesting personalities, but then, you know, we have, um, you know, the silent assassin, Greg Gard, um, <laughs> you know, and you, you might say that it's a, it's a negative for the conference that, you know, he's, um, you know, so uninteresting that nobody knows uh, who he is or uh, what the name of Wisconsin's basketball coach is. But you look at something like the, uh, you know, federal investigation into Adidas and, you know, there are, you know, there's hours of tapes with Greg Gard on them and the investigators did not know who Greg Gard was. Wisconsin didn't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, you wouldn't think about it that way. You know, Bo Ryan, once again, you know, Machiavelli Sun Tzu. <laughs> uh, the, that's uh, our first Dan riff of the year was a good one. So I'm glad we uh, I'm glad you set the bar high there, buddy. Well, I, you know, Eric touched on you know the the conference you know sort of improving a little bit here, and I thought uh, you know I, I agree with them. I think they're doing a, you know a lot of things um, you know that, that I think are moving things slowly in a positive direction. Very good. Uh, so uh, now that that's out of the way, just talking about uh, this team a little bit more. Anything that any of y'all would like to add? Well, I was gonna like t- going back to our um, existential conversation and about. Chambers status, I mean, it, like the whole thing with like the recruiting or whatever. I mean, they're doing a pretty good job replacing um, the core that they had. Uh, you know, the core was always Reeves, Watkins, Stevens, and Carr. Um, getting them in back-to-back classes was like here's a here's a chance for them to put a tournament team together. Um, you know, they did a good job with Bolton and Dread coming in here, replacing uh, Garner and Carr. Um, they got Seth Lundy, who will, who will be an eventual replacement for Stevens. Um, they got Abdus and Billa, who, who who seems promising. It could be another big man um, to pair with Hera. So it's, they're doing a good job recruiting behind um, the guys that they're going to lose. But like, like it's going to be hard for me to kind of get over if they don't make the tournament this year. You know, with Reese graduating um, and Mike Watkins, who knows what his status is, but um, there's a pretty good chance he's gone after this year too. Um, you know, if, if they're only able to get back-to-back NIT tour, uh, appearances out of uh, that that cr- that incredible crop of talent that they got, that's why I think I'm more bullish on the future. That's why I, I do think there's a, a hard-line stance with the tournament this year, um, just because that's just the next step for them in their progression. With the having this talent, you know, it's great that they have talent coming in behind them, but you know, is Seth Lundy better than Lamar Stevens? I mean, I don't know. But it's kind of hard to, to be like, oh, well, the recruiting is going to be able to carry them in the future if they're not able to make the tournament with uh, the core that they originally that originally sold us all on Chambers and his recruiting ability. Yep, Chad, anything to uh, add to that? No, not really. Um, yeah, I'm, I agree. Good, we're on the same page. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on the team before we maybe dive into the Big Ten a little bit? Do we think Isaiah Brockington is going to get a waiver? I hope so. They better have applied for one, yeah. Uh, oh, it seems right, like well, they're I, handing okay. them out to everybody, it seems like. I mean, why did Mark Smith get one at Mizzou? Because Brad Underwood mentally abused him. I don't know. <laughs> that, well, listen, we all know that college basketball has a well-documented Missouri bias, so I, I understand why they would get one and Penn State wouldn't, if I could be so frank. I feel like Penn State's on. not in good in good graces with the NCAA right now, you know, with the ineligibility of Satchel Pierce, uh, forcing Daniil Kasak into uh, redshirt this season because he interfered with the election. Just I don't I don't feel like they're you know it's a good time to need a waiver for a guy like Isaiah Brockington. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I honestly thought our first Daniil shout out was going to come from Chad, so I'm uh, I'm a I'm little bit disappointed. Myself. Yeah, well, listen, just be better next time, buddy. Uh, the Big Ten, uh, it's uh, still a thing, even after how last year went. Um, yeah, Chad, any uh, any general Big Ten thoughts you'd like to get on the record? Not especially. Um, looking forward to Indiana with Romeo Langford. Um, bum! Maryland's- oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I-, I was calling Romeo Langford a bum with the hope that a Crimson Quarry guy would listen to this and their head would explode. Oh, good. Shout out CQ. Um, yeah, Michigan State looks like the favorite. Um, again, uh, I don't know. It's, in the Big Ten is just so, again, going to be so crowded in the middle, in the lower half. Um, it's, you know, Penn State should be in that range, pushing for the tournament, pushing for, you know, six, seven, eight spot. We'll see. Um, there's just so much, you know, influx there. Ohio State lost Micah Potter today to transfer. Um, you know, it's not like a seismic loss or anything, but still, um, that's a team, you know, lost a lot last year. Doesn't have a ton coming back. You have a great coach, obviously, but, um, yeah, just going to be interesting all around the board, I guess. I completely forgot, uh, while, while we're on the subject of big 10 powerhouses, I forgot that Corey Sanders left and, uh, Rutgers is in a, in dire straits right now. So that's, I I did look at their roster today and I did not recognize a single name. I did not, uh, all right. To be fair, yeah. when is Rutgers not in dire straits? Well, yeah. I mean, I recognize. I mean, more so than even for Rutgers, they're in dire straits, which, is, <laughs> which seems almost impossible. Well, didn't what was the game they had in the Big Ten tournament last? It was it was Purdue, where like they just like fought with Purdue for a while, and then I think Purdue just kind of got bored uh, and was like, "Yeah, this is over." But Geo Baker is a uh, person I have heard of, so. They, be they have, a, they have a, what appears to be a power forward whose name is Isathim. Isacham. Yeah. <laughs> they have one of the best players. Ron okay. Harper Jr. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, they beat Indiana. They, last they, in the they have, they have 20% yeah. of their team is named Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eric, any, uh, anything on the Big Ten from you? Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think the league is. Pretty wide open. That's another reason why I think um, you know Penn State has an opportunity this season. There's no really truly elite teams, at least not yet. Um, a lot of t- a lot of good teams from last year lost a lot, um, and there wasn't a lot of good teams to begin with. Um, but Michigan State lost Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson, um, and they're still the favorites. So um, I don't think Michigan State's going to be the winner. I, I just I don't know. They they, they might have the most uh, on paper talent, but. Uh, you know, and I, I like Cassius Winston. I think, and, and Nick Ward is a very productive big man. But um, I, I'm kind of rolling with the Hoosiers this year. I think Romeo Langford is going to be legit, um, and Archie Miller is going to turn that program around pretty quick. But um, but other than Michigan State, Indiana, and like Michigan, um, Michigan's got a lot of new players. Um, Iggy B, who's going to be uh, he's going to be a pain. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they mesh early. But otherwise. There's probably like 11 or 12 teams that might think that they have tournament um, aspirations coming into this year. Uh, obviously, the Big Ten's not going to get 11 or 12 teams in. Um, but can it be a seven-bid league again? I think so. Um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, where Penn State falls in that jam-packed middle there with uh, the Nebraskas, the Marylands. Um, but who knows? Maybe Iowa learns how to play defense this year. Uh, you know, who knows? It'll be interesting to see uh, how everyone looks here in the next week or so when they start playing. Yeah, yeah. Any uh, Anyone got anything else they want to talk about, or can we uh, tie a bow on this one at a tidy 53 minutes? All right, we're ending this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, like all the social media pages, subscribe on all the various podcast platforms, keep buying shirts, keep reading the site, supporting the site. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Chad Markulix, for Eric Gibson, for Dan Smith, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Free Daniel.